1: The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Now, from our nation's capital... This is Bloomberg Sound On.
2: NEXT YEAR IS GOING TO BE AN UGLY ELECTION YEAR, IN WHICH YOU CAN EXPECT VERY LITTLE TO GET DONE.
3: THAT'S GOING TO BECOME A PERNICIOUS POLITICAL
1: TOOL WHICH DOESN'T HELP EITHER PARTY.
3: BLOOMBERG SOUND
1: ON.
2: POLITICS, POLICY AND
1: PERSPECTIVE FROM D.C.'S TOP NAMES. WE'RE
4: CONFIDENT AT THE END OF THE DAY THAT THE SENATE
1: IS GOING TO PUT AMERICAN FAMILIES FIRST. 330
4: MILLION AMERICANS ARE EXPECTING AND WAITING
1: FOR US TO
2: MOVE THE
4: BALL FORWARD AND GET STUFF DONE. AND WHEN THAT DOESN'T HAPPEN, IT IS FRUSTRATION.
1: Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. It's a meeting of the Joes. Not this Joe, those Joes. Biden and Manchin. as the president. And of course, the senator from West Virginia get down to it. We'll build back better, get a vote before Christmas, as Senator Chuck Schumer is calling for. This could be the conversation that answers the question, and we will talk about it later this hour with Isaac Boltansky Managing Director of Policy Research at the firm BTIG. But first, as President Biden prepares to visit Kentucky now after the devastating tornadoes claimed 64 lives in the state, we will discuss the recovery coming up with Republican Congressman James Comer, whose first congressional district was ravaged by the storm. Our panel today, Bloomberg politics contributor and Republican consultant, Rick Davis. And Max Burns is with us, Democratic strategist and founder of Third Degree Strategies. It's the fastest hour in politics. President Biden, as I mentioned, is headed for Kentucky later this week. Wednesday is the plan to survey the damage from the tornadoes, see where help is needed, and of course, console those who lost loved ones. Here is President Biden today at the White House. When we talked about this two days ago, was that uh, I don't want to be in the way.
3: There's a lot going on. And, and the, uh, when the president shows up, there's a long tail to follow there's an awful lot of folks. And I just don't want to do anything other
4: than be value-added. But I want you to know uh, that uh, this administration has made it clear to every governor whatever they need, when they need it, when they need it, make it known to me, and we'll get it to them
1: as rapidly, as rapidly as we can. There you have it from the White House, says Governor Andy Beshear, says it could be weeks before we know the full extent of damage. Earlier today, he said over 100 people remain unaccounted for. These tornadoes hit hard in Kentucky's 1st Congressional District, home to Mayfield, Kentucky, which, as you've likely seen in the news coverage, bore the heaviest brunt of the storm. The images are unreal. Congressman James Comer, Republican from Kentucky, represents that district, and he joins us now, in fact, from Paducah. Congressman, I appreciate your time today. Welcome back to Bloomberg Radio. What do you and what does your district need most right now?
3: Well, obviously, we need a lot of prayers, but uh, in the very short term, we've got to get power back. The electrical grid has just been destroyed. Uh, Even areas far from the tornado path uh, don't have electricity in West Kentucky and it's gotten down to the low 20s uh, the last two nights. So uh, we're, you know, typical Christmas weather uh, with no electricity. We have no water in most of these communities in Western Kentucky. Uh, the sewer system has been taken out in a couple of, couple of the cities. It's just, uh, just sheer devastation uh, to the infrastructure. The cell, three cell towers were destroyed. And remember, before the tornado, the cell service was not very good in this part of rural America. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the, the storm, there's absolutely no cell service. So uh, communication, basic infrastructure, heat, water, these are our, our most pressing needs right now.
1: I should start by asking about yourself. Is your family safe? Is your neighborhood still together?
3: Yes, yes. we uh, I live east of where the tornadoes hit Uh, we suffered just, you know, debris and things like that in in my home county of Monroe. But uh, my district goes from one end of the state to the other. And obviously the western end of the state cities like Mayfield, Dawson Springs, uh, Princeton, Kentucky, a little community called Casey and Fulton County, they just absolutely sheer devastation destroyed. And it's going to take Months and, and probably years to, to rebuild, but you know, again, we've got to get the electricity back on. We've been on the phone with TVA and the different utilities, and you know, just trying to help navigate the bureaucracy here.
1: We sat down with a map uh, as we were preparing to talk with the congressman, a map of your district, and my goodness, the it's almost the entire thing was raked by this tornado. The length of uh, of this these tornadoes was remarkable. And, of course, it reached into other states. We apparently have 13 fatalities, at least, in neighboring states. Are all of the states affected coming together? Are you getting help from outside of Kentucky?
3: Absolutely. It's just been amazing, the help that's coming in from uh, all over the United States. Uh, The money that's been donated, the governor announced uh, just over a 24-hour period, we'd raised over $6 million for a West Kentucky uh, charity that's just been set up to help people in need. The utility crews from all over the United States are rolling in. I'm in Paducah now, 15 miles north of, of Mayfield. And mm-hmm. uh, the hotel where I stayed last night was full of uh, utility people. And I mean, it's, it's just uh, really, does your heart good to see friends and neighbors come together and that's what's happening. People ask, well, where are all these displaced people living? And they're living with friends and family and relatives. And then churches have opened their doors uh their shelters the governor's opened up the state park system we're in west kentucky around the land between the lakes area a lot of state parks so uh everyone as of now that that needs a temporary place to stay has one but we've got to start focusing on uh permanent uh permanent temporary shelters you know more than uh, the the next week or so we've got to yeah. focus on the next 12 months because it's going to take a long time to rebuild all these dwellings.
1: I know the president over the weekend issued an emergency declaration uh, for Kentucky, ordered federal assistance to be there. You heard his remarks today saying whatever the governor needs, whatever you need, uh, they will provide. Does that help? Does that emergency declaration help with the housing situation?
3: Yes, it does. And I was in the district yesterday in Mayfield in Benton, Kentucky with the FEMA director and with uh, Homeland uh, Security Secretary Maracas, and we talked they have been very responsive thus far uh the White House has been responsive thus far the the governor i mean this Senator McConnell yeah. uh, everyone's working together on this as as we should, and so far over the first three days uh the federal and and state officials are are doing their part, but the real heroes are the first responders and the and the neighbors i mean they're farmers that were Uh, bringing their equipment to the scenes of buildings that had collapsed before the sun even came up that first day. I mean, people have been on the scene nonstop and this is day three now, just trying to desperately find people that are, that are still missing. And it's just uh, unbelievable to see the, the effort that's, that's gone through and the outpouring of support from all over the United States.
1: Does President Biden's visit later this week help to unlock resources, maybe draw more attention to the area, or or does it actually test the area by having a presidential visit in, in the middle of all of this recovery?
3: I think it helps. And, you know, the president, I agreed with what he said, you know, he would come if he wasn't in the way. And that's kind of how, how I feel as well. But uh, the people want to see, they want to see their leaders. They want to know that the leaders know what. They're going through because this is rural America, and rural America's always forgotten. This is a part of Kentucky that's over a four-hour drive from Frankfort, Kentucky, the state capital. Yeah. So the the population of Kentucky's right around the the state capital, Louisville, Lexington, Cincinnati. That triangle's where all the population is. West Kentucky's far, far away, and just have have always felt kind of neglected. So to see uh, their member of Congress and and the president of the United States and the governor, I think that's sends a very important signal to the people that uh, help is here. We're not going to forget about you. We're going to do everything we can to save anyone who's still missing and then to uh, try to work together to rebuild.
1: We're talking with Congressman James Comer, Republican from Kentucky who's joining us from Paducah, uh, which is in the center of all of this destruction following the tornadoes. Uh, I have to ask you, Congressman, you mentioned the cell phone issue this was already a problem. Is there anything in the infrastructure bill that is now law, as you call it the infrastructure law, that helps to, to reinforce uh, that problem, build more towers, provide more communication for your area?
3: This is a big uh, complaint of mine. With all the money that's been appropriated over the last few years, including in the farm bill, where I was part of a group that got money Appropriated for rural broadband. There's a difference in broadband and rural broadband. And the, yes. the infrastructure bill said broadband. They're, believe me, they're totally different things. Mm-hmm. But the, the rural broadband, um, a lot of the big carriers uh, are getting subsidized as is required because you can't profitably run broadband into rural areas. Where, wherever it's profitable to have broadband, the private sector's already run broadband. To to get it to the what we call the last mile, but in That's the case right. of West Kentucky, it's tens of miles. It's going to take public-private partnerships. These big companies, these big carriers have been awarded dollars to run that broadband, but they haven't run it. Or they've run it, but they haven't allowed anyone to hook on to it. So this is one of the problems that I've had, and it, it became evident during the virtual learning. When, when these schools were shut down because of covid there were so many people in my congressional district who who would have to drive to the nearest mcdonald's which there may not even be a mcdonald's in the county but but they had wi-fi some of the local farm bureau insurance agencies which are in the you know the the populated towns they had wi-fi and people would be parked around the buildings at night downloading assignments wow For their children because they didn't have broadband. They had no
1: other way. We
3: they had no other way. And then the cell service is it's just you know, it's it's bad in the rural areas or non existent. But in the cities, you know, in like Mayfield, they had cell service in the city limits, but now the tower's gone. We've got some temporary stands. Uh, some of the big carriers have have come in, AT and T Verizon, and set up temporary stands to kind of boost around like under the candle factory and and places where there are okay. you know, subdivisions where we still have people unaccounted for just in case they've got a cell phone and trying to call uh they've got the boosters there for the first responders but uh, it's a huge problem and and we're trying to get as we rebuild these poles we've had 5000 uh, light poles taken out
1: well, so can you we're rebuild some of back. this Let's... in our last minute here, Congressman, to keep this from happening again? I guess that's what I'm getting to is the, the what future options you have to improve communication.
3: I would love to see some of the broadband money used in rural America. Yeah, But the bill just talked about broadband. And one of the programs that the administration announced was broadband equity, meaning they were going to help people in cities that can't afford broadband, to have vouchers, to, to have broadband. That, that's fine and, and dandy, but in rural America, right. we don't have broadband. And in situations of where there's a disaster looming and you can't communicate, it, it becomes a problem. It's
1: critical infrastructure. Congressman James Comer, Republican from Kentucky, we thank you for your time Today on Bloomberg Sound On, and with the note to that visit tomorrow or Wednesday, rather, the president as well, as Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, will be there. The panel's next. This is Bloomberg.
0: Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com.
1: You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Some presidents are good at this, playing the role of consoler-in-chief, and it's been said that Joe Biden is one of them. Let's pick up where we left off with Congressman Comer as we assemble the panel for this Monday. Welcome to Sound On with Bloomberg politics contributor and Republican strategist Rick Davis, alongside Max Burns today, Democratic strategist, founder of Third Degree Strategies, spoke back with us here for the hour. Rick, that was a tough talk uh, with the congressman, and I suspect that his uh, his mind has gone from all of the wrangling over social spending here in Washington to very real matters at home as he prepares for a Democratic president to come and visit him this week. He had positive things to say about the Biden administration, and this is one of those moments when administrations and presidents specifically are judged. That'll be Joe Biden on Wednesday. What does he need to do?
4: You know, I think this is his probably one of his greatest assets is the president of the United States. And he he showed it throughout his career as senator and as vice president is he has a very uh, good empathetic capability. He can connect with people. He can uh, say and do the right things with people who are in uh, uh, distress. Uh, I can't imagine how horrific the sights and the scenes are going to be uh, oh, when man. he gets to these locations. Uh, but this is, this is what he has really been known for throughout his career. And I think it's a personality trait that he has. Uh, I don't think it's something you can teach somebody. It's something they have to have, uh, you know, when they're when internally in, in them. And I think that mm-hmm. uh, no better time for him to go there and connect with the crowd. We heard Congressman Comer say, it's great to see our leaders showing up. Rural America doesn't see them very often. You know, they they don't get to see the campaigns and the and the whistle stop tours, but they That's they right. their leaders will be there when they need them the most.
1: That's important stuff. Uh, Max Burns and I suspect that, you know, this is one of those moments where where it it's just a different political calculation here. Uh when we see President Biden go in the field for this, some might criticize him for interrupting the flow and he mentioned that today. That's why they're waiting a few days. But a presidential visit can unlock resources, Max.
6: We've seen uh, in the midst of a tragedy like this that there's always a contingent that say it's wrong for a president to come visit and cause a distraction. Yeah. But I'll tell you, this this reminded me so much of the, the horrible tornado that hit Joplin, uh, Missouri in 2011. And those people don't care if the president's a Democrat or a Republican. They're just looking for a hug. They're looking for someone to say, that the government is going to be here to make this right, and more importantly, that he is there for them and that they will not be forgotten. And I think this is a great moment to, to reconnect that uh, more broadly to the, the money that's coming in to states with this infrastructure bill that just passed. There will be additional uh, emergency response funding there for mm-hmm. things just like this, and that's something that states uh, will at least have going
1: forward. I think it's safe to talk about that, Rick Davis. There's been so much debate about managing the impact of climate, about managing the impact of extreme weather, but also shoring up things like we talked about with the congressman, broadband, specifically to rural areas. And he's still he's still left wanting there. I'm not sure he's convinced that this plan will do it, Rick. But some of the other things like cell phone communication and so forth, bringing resources to rural America. This is what the president's been talking about.
4: That's right. And this is really going to test the system, right? What is it that they're not going to need? They need water restored. Mm -hmm. They're going to need that infrastructure rebuilt. Uh, They're going to need those power lines put back up. Are we going to do the cheapest, lowest common denominator? Are we going to put up smart grids for these people who have suffered so much? Uh, The basic infrastructure is uh, going to have to be built from ground up. Uh, Housing, he talked about, the congressman talked about the need uh, for temporary permanent housing because the neighbors have done a good job of absorbing uh, the public need today yeah, but that's, that's going right. to that pressure is going to come on so uh yeah this may actually be one of the very rare natural disasters in the americas that um we haven't had to get a supplemental for because we do have money for these kinds of things in the bill that just passed wow. congress
1: that's your boy you just that that's saying a lot rick i i'd like to hear from you both on this then if it's if it's somewhere you can go As a Democratic president, to make the point that Rick just made, can you have that conversation in Kentucky this week, Rick? When you're when you're advising someone, would that be a wise move? You know, it's all a matter of what the commitment's going to be like,
4: right? The commitment now isn't going to be, uh, we're going to get this paid for by Congress, you know, before the end of the year, or I'm going to make sure that you have the things that you need to recover your communities. I mean, it's just a, it's a confidence level. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, so much of the time we only show off the power of our great nation you know when troubles are abroad here's a chance we can show how the powerful nations of the world and ours you know second to none can actually take care of its own and i think this is something the biden administration seems very attuned to it's why they stacked the infrastructure bill with emergency mm-hmm. aid and uh and and what i i have no doubt with this team uh they're going to they're going to make this a model
1: So how does Joe Biden frame that, Max Burns? And is it accurate to say that what's already been passed and what's being debated would help Kentucky now?
6: Absolutely, and not just Kentucky, but every state, because I think most Americans can see that we've been enduring sort of increasingly extreme weather, fires, floods, storms like this. And the infrastructure bill has billions of dollars in it for exactly that kind of preparedness. But there's Mm -hmm. also a point that needs to be made that the government, you know, the Army, the Navy, FEMA are all treating this climate change worsened storm situation as the fact of life for the future, and they're planning accordingly. And if we don't get a handle on that and start planning ahead on this, these disasters will only get more costly, both in in financial means and in lives lost. And that's an argument I think a lot of Americans will, will resonate with them.
1: It's big stuff. Max Burns and Rick Davis are with us for the hour. They'll come back as we turn to the meeting of the Joes ahead here on Sound On. And what is in store for the president's social spending plan? Isaac Boltansky will be with us from the firm BTIG. I'm Joe Matthew and this is Bloomberg. Just got an update on the meeting. The call has happened. And Senator Manchin's communications director says... This is quite a statement. Quote, Senator Manchin and President Biden had a productive conversation this afternoon, period. They will continue to talk over the coming days, unquote. Of course, that's all it says. Of course, the whole debate around the president's Build Back Better proposal got a new wrinkle on Friday. When the CBO came out with a score on the legislation, I know Emily and Jack talked to you about it, reflecting the cost of these new policies extended over the course of 10 years. What if they just stayed right where they were for the next decade? Here's what they would cost, assuming nothing else that was done to pay for them. White House cried foul because it is by definition hypothetical. Then again, when do programs go away? Of course, the current plan is paid for. Not to be confused with what the CBO put out Friday. But Senator Joe Manchin sees truth in these numbers. And he expressed that today when he was speaking with reporters. Here's Joe Manchin. That
7: CBO is not a Republican or Democrat report. You know, CBO is a congressional budget office and they're, they're, they're nonpartisan. Uh, and they're going to give it to us the way the facts are, the we like it or not.
1: And Manchin spoke more about his concerns about inflation. Referring to the data Friday suggesting lawmakers will have to adapt here, and maybe this debate will evolve as they move forward. Here's Joe Manchin again. Uh,
7: my grandfather used to say unman- unmanaged debt will make a coward out of the decisions you make. And we're now at $29 trillion and we'll be pushing on to $30 trillion. And I'm sure that uh, uh, Mr. Powell, uh, with the feds, they're going to make some decisions pretty soon here. And I'm understanding that he is uh, uh, considering things that we've talked about. Quantitative easing should be... Uh, reduced or eliminated as quickly as possible, and and the interest rates going to affect all of us if he has to increase interest to try to control.
1: Referring to the Fed's meeting this week, we'll get a decision Wednesday, a statement Wednesday, referring as well there with the reference to QE to his memo from last summer. Remember this? The memo with Chuck Schumer. And as Rick Davis consistently reminds us, He's never budged off of that memo. It's been a roadmap for really everything that's happened. Maybe we can follow that roadmap to the end of the year with Isaac Boltanski, who joins us right now, the managing director and director of policy research at BTIG. Isaac, it's great to have you. I went away thinking this meeting could be the one that decides whether Build Back Better passes this year or not. What do you think?
2: I think the more that things change, the more they stay the same. And Joe Manchin, just as he was in January of this year, is the key vote. He is the most significant vote for the White House to get. Nothing has changed there. And he has been very clear repeatedly about his concerns regarding inflation and certain provisions of this bill. And so I don't know what to really read from today's meeting other than the dynamics are the same. The White House and Chuck Schumer are going to continue pushing to get Joe Manchin's vote. And that tells me that the scale and the scope of the package must be reduced before he is going to be a yes vote.
1: I know you have uh, strong feelings about this, Isaac, and the way that goes. What do you think? 1.5 as a final number? And should we be obsessing over the price tag right now? Does he still need to have that number where he's comfortable? Is it more about what is inside the plan?
2: Well, I think there, there are three things that we should be aware of. Number one is there's an ongoing procedural uh, process, something referred to as a bird bath, where they're deciding Indeed. what can be in or out of the bill. So yes. we'll have to deal with that over the next week and see what's there. Number two is the top line figure. I do think that 1.75 is going to have to be reduced to something closer to 1.5 just to show some movement for mansion. Um, number three is what's actually in there. And I think that what we're going to see over the next few days is the big mass between Manchin and the rest of the Democratic Party start to narrow as some of these programs see their sunsets altered and their uh, overall scope narrowed through things like means testing, asset cutoffs and, and the like.
1: Right. Did that uh, Friday CBO score? That, that covered 10 years, give him cover to make those changes on the phone with the president?
2: You know, the thing is, a lot of these data points, while you and me and all of your listeners can look at them analytically, uh, for D.C., a lot of these data points are really just political Rorschach tests, right? Uh, right. Two sides can look at the same data point and and find a talking point from it. So, to me, I think that the uh, inflation data thus far in general has given Joe Manchin a fair amount of cover to make his demands. And I think that um, the CBO score that you're referring to, which discussed the idea of what the cost and price tag would be if the covered programs were not sunset, is something that Republicans are going to seize on. But to me, yep. though, the story here is the White House sees an opportunity where they have a trifecta: the right. House, the Senate, and so get it
1: done while I you think can. think they're going
6: to get it done.
1: Isaac Boltanski, many thanks with us from BTIG Live. We thank you for your time today and your insights on Bloomberg Sound On. Come back and see us again soon. No matter what you make of all this, it all comes down to the mansion on the hill.
4: Joe Joe's not a bad guy. I mean, he's a friend. And he's always, at the end of the day, come
3: around and voted. <laughs>
5: with. Sure. Is this June mansion? Is it September mansion? Is right. it August mansion? Down here in the
7: Throughout the last three months I've been straightforward about my concerns that I will not support a reconciliation package that expands social programs and irresponsibly adds to our $29 trillion in national debt.
6: I can't see you, man.
3: One of our colleagues said recently, we have to quote stabilize what we have before we start going down this expensive road, or else it would be quote fiscal insanity.
7: Holding this bill hostage is not going to work. Ms. Mr. Manson is, uh,
8: is is opposed to that.
5: This was what Senator Manchin was saying two months ago.
8: What I see are shell games. Senator Manchin, you are right. I hope you'll stand up and stop this madness. Do you have a specific commitment from Senator Manchin to support your Build
4: Back Better bill? He says he doesn't want to further burden mm-hmm. Medicare.
7: I'm open to supporting a final bill that helps move our country forward, but I'm equally open to voting against a bill that hurts our country.
0: Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large size companies like yours to easily manage risk
1: You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. After all the talk about Joe Manchin and the role he's played in this debate for months, often controlling the narrative, it seems to me that if the bill passes, if Build Back Better actually passes Congress, President Biden should hold the signing ceremony on Joe Manchin's houseboat. Floating off D.C., wouldn't the optics be perfect? It's a heck of a boat, I'll tell you that. You now, they could have all the protesters who were once in kayaks, they could be out there applauding. They got it done. Before we reassemble the panel, I want to talk about uh, a little more about this CBO score that we were discussing uh, with Isaac in the last conversation here. That CBO score, which Joe Manchin said is not Democratic or Republican, it's the nonpartisan CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, he's right about that. It was requested by Republicans and namely uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, who talked about the Build Back Better plan and actually gave Joe Manchin credit for this, for giving him the impetus to ask for the, the scoring in a conversation on Fox News Sunday. Can we hear from Lindsey Graham?
8: This bill, Bill Back Better, will be gasoline on the inflation problem. It destroys the ability to extract fossil fuels. Gas prices went up fifty-eight percent. The last thing I'm gonna do is add more burdens to working families in South Carolina. And here's my message to the Democratic Party. Quit lying about this bill. They should revote it in the House. And Senator Manchin, you were right. I hope you'll stand up and stop this madness. We need to stop Bill Back Better before it destroys this country
1: destroy the whole country. Senator Manchin, you were right, he said. And we reassemble the panel with Bloomberg Politics contributor Rick Davis, Republican strategist, along today with Max Burns, Democratic strategist and founder of Third Degree Strategies. Max, what's your take on this? I know CBO's getting real wonky. You start talking about scoring and most people eyes glaze over if they even know what you're referring to. But did that not give joe manchin a bit more cover in washington or at least a little bit more reinforcement with the point that he's been making don't look at this through such a narrow lens these programs will likely outlast the period of time we're talking about and therefore cost a lot more
6: I think Manchin was very clever here in in sort of farming this out to Republicans and allowing himself some distance from it, because it's important to be honest about what that CBO score is and isn't. I mean, that's a score for a version of Build Back Better that does not exist. That's right. Democrats are not debating. And the fact that Lindsey Graham was the driving force behind it should tell you a lot about the motives behind this. But it does provide Joe Manchin some ground to push back on Joe Biden a little bit. Yeah. I think that's what he was looking for in the near term. But I, I do think, as Isaac mentioned, uh, that the price will come down a bit and we'll bring people back together on this. But Manchin is still playing hardball I, until the very end.
1: And to be fair, uh, Rick Davis, this would have been, where as we discussed the CBO score from Friday, this Uh, does not include any Democratic attempt to pay for it. This uh, clearly, you know, as Max said, this hasn't been debated and this isn't the bill we're in. But Manchin's whole tune has been this will cost more than you think. And the more it costs, the more we have to worry about inflation. And the more it costs, the more likely it is for people in my state are going to run out of uh, social spending programs that they are already enjoying, that they rely on, that this could ruin things like Medicare. Does this give him a position of strength as he talks to Joe Biden? Yeah, I don't think he really
4: needed one. I mean, this has been pretty much his contention all along. That's that, right.
1: That, but someone else is finally saying it, Rick.
4: Yeah, I think Lindsey Graham just sort of took the uh, clothes off the, the emperor, right? And, and and the reality is, you're right, it's not the bill we're debating. But But show me one single social spending bill that has been passed through reconciliation that was not made permanent, right? I mean, mm-hmm. really, are we talking about putting child tax credit into reconciliation and then actually a year from now pulling it out and saying, okay, we're not going to write those checks anymore. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I think everybody's got to sort of get real with the fact that that's the flaw in using reconciliation to do all this stuff. Huh. And now we're going to see this hodgepodge of expiring uh, projects and Programs that aren't going to be fully funded for one, two, three, four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and I think that's going to give fodder to the, to the Joe Manchin's of the world to scratch your head and say, what are we really getting ourselves into? Because two years from now, you're going to be the Democratic Party that's going to have to say, oh, yeah, we never said this was going to be permanent. Now, how many people are going to say that? <laughs> so I yeah. think this is, this is a problem in the future, but it's going to create ramifications in the
6: present.
1: Max, it gets back to the concept, as we've already stated here, that, you know, once you start new programs, it's not very often they go away.
6: No, that's true. And the argument that a lot of the left has made for Joe Manchin is how can you uh, ignore these things that your supporters, your, your constituents need? And this is a guy who over a quarter of West Virginians have no natural teeth left due to their lack of access to dental service. Joe Manchin is still standing firm on refusing to extend dental coverage. That's not a guy who's going to be convinced by your quality of life argument. This is a pure numbers run for Manchin. And uh, at least for now, Democrats have not managed to convince him that his numbers are wrong.
1: Is it numbers, though, Max? You know, he says these same people you're talking about. And I wouldn't uh, guess about anybody's teeth based on where they live. But these people who are look, there are some of the poorest people in the country are living in his state. They rely on programs that he says will be compromised if this thing turns into a massive cost overrun.
6: Yeah, and there is a sense in this that either Joe Manchin is allowing himself to be fooled a bit or that he's certainly been an eager buyer of the GOP spin that that minimizes how effective this is going to be, that sells uh, a prolonged inflation story that does not match up to the way economies work. Uh, But right now, unless Joe Manchin changes his mind, and it seems the only way to get that is through a much smaller bill, Uh, There's no way this gets done before Christmas, maybe not even before February or March of next year.
1: Rick, uh, there was another uh, part of the conversation with Senator Lindsey Graham on Fox News that that really caught my attention because he was referring constantly to Donald Trump uh, through this, whether it was about the Build Back Better, uh, the Supreme Court, January 6th, all of this stuff. And he was finally asked, you know, what kind of a role he's playing. It was interesting the way that he, he used the, the, the name of Donald Trump, invoked this name as the, really the, the, the president future of the party. And I don't think anybody here would argue with that. But the way the, the senator described it, listen to Lindsey Graham on Fox News Sunday.
8: We're going into an election cycle where the wind's to our back. We can't do this again. But when you look forward to this party, Donald Trump is the most consequential Republican in the entire Republican Party, maybe in the history of the party since Ronald Reagan. And if you're going to lead this party in the House and the Senate, you have to have a working relationship with Donald Trump or it will not work. That's quite a statement
1: uh, after uh, what we have gone through over the last year here, um, for lindsey graham specifically rick on the night here uh that the january 6th panel is apparently going to refer mark meadows the president's former chief of staff to the department of justice uh this apparently is not going away he was referring to the debt ceiling vote by the way when he invoked the name of donald trump at that point how much of that is going to play into this end result here uh, this year on capitol hill
4: yeah, I would I would have to say that, you know, sort of Lindsay's views about Donald Trump have been marked to market, right? I mean like everybody almost just looks the other way when he starts talking about Donald Trump. Uh mm-hmm. it, it is a belief that he holds. He believes that Donald Trump is is the Republican Party. He's believed that uh many years ago when he first signed on to the Trump wagon. Uh and uh and and has has ridden that train since the the since that moment. It really dates back to you know, Donald Trump endorsing people in his first year of election uh, yeah. in primaries and winning. and and Lindsay came to the conclusion that this guy is the Republican Party. Uh, I think the Republican Party has a lot more facets than what Lindsay probably believes there are. and uh, and we're going to see those uh, rise up uh, in the course of the night uh, the twenty twenty two but especially the 24 elections. Um, so my view is, sure, the guy has a huge impact. He can raise lots of money and his endorsement matters in certain states and in certain districts. But the idea that this is the future of the Republican Party, I think, is a debatable notion because one thing he didn't accomplish uh, that uh, George W. Bush did and Ronald Reagan did is a second term. And frankly, that is a lot more important as we debate these topics today yeah. uh, than all the political money that you can raise.
1: Max, depending on what happens tonight here, we, we believe that the committee investigating uh, the January 6th attack will refer Mark Meadows for you know criminal contempt uh, to the Department of Justice. Does that strengthen Donald Trump's hand, at least among his base in Washington on Capitol Hill?
6: I think anything that allows Donald Trump a chance to insert himself back into the dialogue is a win for him, regardless of how it plays for the GOP or the country. I mean, you see a a large number here of senior Republican officials who are being asked to provide information or face jail, and they're eagerly picking jail. That certainly doesn't scream uh, a great public perception for the GOP. But, you know, in the Trump calculus, as long as he is in the headline and in the conversation, he's winning. And that's going to be true in 2022 and 2024.
1: Well, if we had followed that train of thought, I guess we could have had some trouble uh, managing the debt ceiling the way this had all played out with Mitch McConnell. What does it mean for the Or lastly here, Rick, the minority leader, Mitch McConnell, watching this happen uh, from the other side of the Capitol?
4: You know, Mitch uh, McConnell has taken a position of uh, not commenting uh, almost throughout the course of the, the Trump presidency. How long can he keep and, getting away with it? certainly that. since then. You know, I think he can get away with it as long as he wants to. It, it, it clearly has been a strategy that's worked for him. Absolutely, uh, He's the reason these deals are getting done. And he doesn't uh, probably care which way the wind blows with Donald Trump.
1: Rick Davis, Max Burns, our panel for this Monday. Sound on when we talk again this time tomorrow. Lawmakers will be back. We'll have a lot more to add to this conversation, and I'll meet you then. This is Bloomberg.